stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Please be seated. I want to say thank you, a sincere thank you, because I'll be honest with you, I was uh, reluctant to begin a sermon series on Revelation. Well, let's, scratch, let's kind of scratch that. I was very reluctant. I, I came into this uh, somewhat kicking and, and screaming because I didn't want to do it. But thank you. Because you challenged me, and I'm learning. I'm learning with you as we go through this very difficult book. But it's a, a book that does have a message. It has a message for all of us today. Now, a few disclaimers. Disclaimer number one. Please see my bulletin article in today's bulletin for important supplemental information which I will not cover in this lesson. Disclaimer number two, I may be wrong. Emphasize, I may be wrong. In preparation for this series, I have, um, I haven't counted, but I would guess I probably have read the book of Revelation, I don't know, probably a hundred times in the last two months. I have also, in, in conjunction with my reading of God's Word, I have read, I'm going to say, right at 50 books written on the book of Revelation. And then on top of that, besides reading God's Word and reading all these books, I have read um, numerous uh, papers, uh, doctoral dissertations, and such like, dealing with the book of Revelation. And many of those books and many of those papers disagree with me because my interpretation of Revelation is based on what the message was for the first and second century Christians. What did John, through inspiration, what did he want those seven churches of Asia to know about the coming persecution? And then, number two, how can we apply that message to us today? Now, many of those books and papers, they will say, well, uh, that symbol right there, it means um, Adolf Hitler. And, and this symbol over here means uh, Osama bin Laden. And, and this symbol right here means uh, the Second War and, and so on and so on. Maybe they're correct. But that's not how I look at this very important book from God. I want to know what did John intend for those Christians to know? What did John, what was his message to them? And then when I determine that message to those Christians, how can I apply that? How can I apply that to my life today? Also, I want to give you the key. The key to understanding chapter 8 
If I could take chapter 8 and, and reduce it down to just one sentence, here is that one sentence. Our prayers, our prayers really, really, really do matter. So keep on praying. Just keep on praying until God comes through. Let's look at a letter. We're looking at uh, these letters to these seven churches. Let's look at a, a modern letter. A modern letter to God. Dear God, so far today, hey, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy or nasty or selfish or overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of this bed. And, and from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you relate to that? Does that hit a, a nerve in, in you? Hey, folks, if you're like me, you've learned that you need a lot of help. You need a lot of help in life. And, and so prayer, prayer becomes even more important to you. But do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder if perhaps your prayers, do your prayers really make any difference beyond just helping you feel good? How valuable is prayer? What does it accomplish do you ever wonder if God truly acts in answer to prayers? Especially since He, as God, as the sovereign Lord of the universe, has everything somewhat already planned out. I invite you this evening to turn with me to Revelation chapter 8, where we see the big difference our prayers do make in God's sovereign plan. Verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence. Circle that word, silence. In heaven for about a half an hour. Well, this is in contrast. Because when Jesus broke open the other six seals in chapter 6, there was increasing calamity with each one. Now with the opening of the seventh seal, there's silence. There's silence. It's like the hush in a courtroom right before the jury foreman announces the verdict. You know something big is going to happen. You know it's going to happen. And it almost takes your breath away. Verse number 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Seven trumpets. Notice in your bulletin article what trumpets signify in the book of Revelation. The seventh seal encompasses the seven trumpets of judgment, announcing, heralding the seven trumpets of judgment. But before the angels play their trumpets, heralding judgment to come, Something else takes place. Something that to me is quite remarkable in light of God's sovereign plan. 
verse 3. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers. Circle that word, prayers. Of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the what prayers, circle that word again, of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Prayers. Before the angels play their trumpets of judgment, the saints pray. The prayers of God's people drift up to God's throne like a, a fragrant incense. My friends, when we pray, it creates a pleasing aroma to God. So pray. When you're joyful, pray. When you're sorrowful, pray. When you're in trouble, pray. When everything's going great, pray. Like Paul said, pray without ceasing. Pray. The early Christians that John is writing to, they needed to hear this. And my friends, and so do we. Because we don't pray nearly enough. Amen? Amen. Come to God often with your request. Because our prayers, our prayers are precious to the Lord. They are very special to Him. And our prayers are powerful for Him as well. Because He uses our prayers to accomplish His will on earth. Our prayers really do make a difference. Verse 5. Then the angel took the censer filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to earth. And, and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Prayers are active. Think for just a moment, how many times, how many times have you prayed? Or maybe how many times have you heard a prayer, maybe from right up here, and it motivated you to do something? It, it caused you to get active. It caused you to, to react and maybe send a card. Maybe pick up the phone and call somebody. Or, or maybe even pay them a, a visit. Prayers really do make a difference, my friends. Our prayers, when they're mixed with the fires of heaven, have real power right here on earth. They really do accomplish great and marvelous things. So pray. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 10, the martyred believers, they cried out for justice. They asked God to judge the wickedness of this world. And God is doing that right here. In answer to their prayers. The early Christians who John is writing to, they, they needed to hear this. And my friends, so do we. God will use your prayers. Don't doubt. Ne never doubt. If you pray for rain, you grab your umbrella. 
You go out that door clutching that umbrella. Don't doubt. God will use your prayers to accomplish His sovereign will here on earth. You see, our prayers really do make a big difference. God uses your prayers to change lives. God uses your prayers to affect nations. God uses your prayers to change the course of world events. Believe it. Because it happens. Prayer is powerful. The early Christians needed to hear this, and so do we. I believe chapter 8 is one of the greatest chapters to encourage us to pray. To encourage us to get down on our knees in prayer to God. So if you really want to make a difference in this world, and I think we all do, first pray. Pray. Pray like you really mean it. Get on your knees before God and ask Him to accomplish His will. Like Jesus taught His disciples to pray, say to your heavenly Father, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When the course of your own life needs to be altered, and sometimes it does, right? When you see our, our nation headed in the wrong direction, yeah, I, I see that happening. Or, or when you see the whole world seems to be on fire, going down the drain, commit these things to God in prayer. Prayer. The early Christians, they needed to hear this, and so do we today. Ask God to intervene, and He will. He, he uses your prayers to accomplish His will, for when God's people pray, the angels act. The heavenly messengers sound their trumpets, and God dispatches them, dispatches them to carry out His plan. Verse number 6, So the seventh, seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third, and you're going to see this fraction several times. What does a third mean? It means that this is localized. This is not universal. This is not universal or global like the, the flood with Noah where the whole earth was impacted, this is only impacting a part of the earth. This is localized. Not all the earth, just part of the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was, was burned up. We've got something happening here on earth. Let's continue. Uh, the first angel, he sounds his trumpet, and there is a horrendous hailstorm. Remember what happened with one of the plagues in Egypt? A plague of hailstorms? This is showing God's reaction to prayer. Next, the early Christians. They needed to hear this, and so do we today. Then the second angel 
The second angel sounds his trumpet and there is a huge volcanic eruption. Verse 8. Then the second angel sounded, and, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third, once again, it's localized, it's not universal, localized, just part of the earth. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. In just a moment, I'm going to explain. Hang on, okay? Let's continue. When the saints pray, the angels play their trumpets of judgment. The first angel, he sounds his trumpet, and there's a great hailstorm. The second angel sounds his trumpet, and there's a great volcanic eruption. This is God's reaction to prayer. The early Christians, they needed to hear this. They're being persecuted. And so do we today. And so do we today. Then the third angel sounds his trumpet and a great star falls to the earth. Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a, a torch. And it fell on a third, once again localized, not universal. And on the springs of water, the name of the star is Wormwood. Now, Look in your bulletin article. I explain what that means in your bulletin article. A third of the water became wormwood. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Back on July the 16th, 1994, a massive chunk of rock and ice crashed into the planet Jupiter. The first chunk of rock and ice was clocked at 134,000 miles an hour before it hit the planet Jupiter. And when it did hit the impact, the impact produced a brilliant fireball 1,000 miles high and 4,000 miles wide. That chunk was the first of 20 chunks of the Shoemaker-Levy 9 comet, which hit Jupiter in, in July 1994. Of those 20 chunks, Fragment G was one of the biggest chunks. It produced a fireball up to 16,000 miles high and 5,000 miles wide. Its impact had the force of six million tons of TNT. That's a hundred thousand times the power of the largest nuclear bomb ever exploded on Earth. One astronomer who actually is an atheist said it's like God striking the planet. It was like God striking the planet. That comet that hit Jupiter by the way, was not discovered by our scientists until a little more than a year before it hit. Let's, let's come to this planet, planet Earth. On February the 15th, 2013, a meteor streaked through the sky and exploded over Russia's Ural Mountains. That had the power of 300,000 tons of TNT. 
essentially that of a massive atomic bomb. Its sonic blast shattered countless windows and injured around a thousand people. It may have been the largest impact on earth since 1908. The meteorite may have been as large as 50 feet across and 7,000 tons when it came into our atmosphere. Why am I mentioning all this? I mention all this for just one reason. All those things which I just shared with you, that's just a tiny drop in the ocean in comparison to what God will do for His children when He answers their prayers. Amen? Amen. The early Christians, they needed to hear this. They're, they're facing horrendous persecution. They needed to hear that God would answer their prayers. And friends, so do we. When the fourth angel sounds his trumpet, there is great darkness. Verse number 12. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them was darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. This is still localized. This is not universal. This is not global. This is localized. Hang on, I'm getting to the explanation real soon. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of prayer, my friends. When believers pray during the tribulation, first and second centuries, the angels played their trumpets of judgment as God deemed them to. Now, let's get to the explanation. By the way, the Roman Empire the Roman Empire, who's the enemy in Revelation, the Roman Empire, who is the agent for the devil in the book of Revelation, suffered numerous so-called natural disasters, one after the other. Why did the Roman Empire fall? Well, it fell because of enemies, external enemies. It fell because of internal corruption. But more and more historians are now pointing to this unbelievable number of natural disasters that happened during the Roman Empire, especially, especially in the 2nd and 3rd and 4th centuries. If you were to map it, on a graph, here is natural disasters, you know. We all have, we've always had natural disasters, you know. Things happen, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. And then the Roman Empire. And then after the Roman Empire. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. G-O-D, God. Why did so many disasters strike the Roman Empire? God allowed it. God sent it. 
God was answering the prayers of His children. In A.D. 79, the city of Pompeii, which I have visited, was surprised when their favorite mount exploded as a volcano. They were not prepared at all. This is an artist's drawing of what happened. People are running and screaming. In fact, in fact, here it is today. If you visit today, here's what you'll see. There's very little left. And furthermore, the people were so caught by surprise that the, the volcanic ash and all actually basically made them mummies. Actual people. Oh, that's a person there that was alive in A.D. 79 that got covered with a volcanic eruption. So many disasters. It's amazing when you look at the... And yes, I realized that before the Roman Empire, perhaps the reporting of disasters were, was not as complete as before. But after the Roman Empire, hey, it's the same thing. It levels out. What's going on? One historian commented, just think what might the Roman Empire had conquered if they had not dealt with so many natural disasters. This same historian, a very, very noted historian, just a few sentences later, after he wrote that sentence, made a kind of a rhetorical question. He said, I wonder why there were so many disasters during the Roman Empire. Once again, I can give him the answer. G-O-D, God. Here in chapter 8, God, God is punishing the Roman Empire for what they were doing to His children. John wanted those Christians, don't give up. God has not forgotten you. He has not just, uh, you know, He's not turned a deaf ear to your prayers. God will answer your prayers. And God was using those natural disasters to get the Romans' attention. We eventually have citizens of Rome who become Christians. We have, in fact, uh, there was even one entire, I um, um, can't remember the word, what goes down below a legion, um, whatever. Um, a large number of soldiers and virtually every soldier in that unit, whatever that, I can't remember the name of the, what you call that, was a Christian. God was trying to get their attention. God was answering the prayers of His children. Verse 13, And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. That's chapter 9. Our prayers are powerful, my friends. Our prayers are powerful to affect the world. 
the prayers of these martyred Christians, the prayers of the Christians that were left on earth, they were making an impact. So what is the message to you and me today? Keep on praying. Because your prayers really do matter. If you have a family member who's not a Christian, if you have a close friend who, who's not a Christian, I hope you pray every day. Not once a week, not once a month, not once a year. I hope you pray every day about them. Because prayer really does matter. It really does matter. The early Christians needed to hear this. And, and so do we. You see, God really does work in answer to prayers. So don't stop praying until He comes through. That's the key to chapter 8. Prayer does matter. Are you a Christian tonight? It's not complicated. It's simple. Believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. As a Christian, do you need to ask for forgiveness? Do you need to come back to Him? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. We'll have elders down here waiting for you. Will you make that step tonight? You know it would be an answer to someone's prayer. Please come as we stand and sing for your encouragement. We've died into